welcome to Oblong Desk. It's John and Noakes with you for the start of a brand new year of music. We're going back to 1994 and uh, this week it's now 27. Hello Noakes. Hi John. Yes, we are into 94, though we will be occasionally venturing backwards into the previous years. But yeah, this is the first of uh, the usual three regular Now albums for uh, 94. Do you want me to... uh, give you some facts straight away or why not let's let's just crack on with let's this let's just do it yes um yes. it was it was released oh it was quite early actually for a for a spring now album released on the 28th of march 1994 the day before my birthday fact fans and it was a chart topper i mean nearly all the regular nows hit number one in the compilation chart which is why we don't usually mention it but for the record four weeks at number one 12 weeks in the top 10 which is pretty standard uh, behavior for a now album uh, the cover not the most exciting i would say uh it's a yellowy goldy now logo kind of whizzing against a blue background it's not a million miles away from what they did with now 25 bit bit bland i think but uh never mind yeah and- i mean uh- I think blue and yellow is a good combination of colours. Yes, I, th- I thought you might. Um, and uh, and uh, the tagline is 38 top chart hits, unusually. Um, if you've been regular listener, you, you'll know that this doesn't always happen. They're split equally, 19 tracks on each disc. There are three number ones here. They all uh, come along, uh, well, fairly early in the discs. Um there weren't many to choose from. There were only actually four number ones in the whole of the spring, uh, one of which was Mariah Carey, which A, wouldn't have been available being on Sony, and B, does anybody care? Um, and uh, it's a big hello to the Bee Gees, finally. Uh, they only appeared twice, and uh, their first appearance is on this one. And we say goodbye to Richard Marks and right said Fred. Yes, and as I think we'll discover when we get there that's probably not a bad thing certainly in one case yes definitely Uh, okay 38 tracks to get through let's make a start with disc one and track one is ace of bass and the sign uh, another great pop song from the swedes um if you're going to level a criticism at ace of bass uh, as some people do uh, then you can argue they're a little bit formulaic, but it's like the formula works and you don't see people saying, oh, do you know, I wish they'd do something different with this can of Coke. It's just so like the last one I had. Well, and well, and when they did, of course, everybody hated it. So, yes, I think that's yeah. I think that's fair enough. I mean, they did change the formula a little bit later on and not surprisingly, the, the hits got slightly smaller. But for now, yes, this is very much in the vein of their 93 releases. Um, I think it's a, a good pop song. Uh, it's a sign of their fame at the time, I think, that they got the uh, disc one track one slot because this isn't one of the chart toppers on this album. It got to number two and it did admittedly stay there for quite a while and it was a huge seller abroad but it wasn't a uk number one and yet here it is sitting at the top of the pile so um fair enough well done them yeah i think weren't they the biggest selling artist in 93 or one of the biggest around if not britain it was certainly europe they were yeah. huge in yeah, certainly in Europe, um, and and it does mention in the booklet for now twenty seven that um, the sign was in the American top ten at the same time as all that she wants was, because uh, they were a bit late to the party on all that she wants, I think, and so they ended up with two American top ten hits at the same time, which is uh, not something that happens very often, I don't think. Right, track two then, and uh, another big artist, Shakademus uh, and Plies with Twist and Shout. I suppose, given the ubiquity of reggae 
and twist and shout covers this is this is kind of one of those things that was almost inevitably going to happen and what do you reckon i mean i i think it's acceptable i think it's you know it's a good reggae version of twist and shout whether it needed to happen or not is questionable whether it should be shakadim supplies is questionable but you know it, it's just one of those things that was almost certainly going to happen yeah as you say i think it was uh, it was it was there on everybody's reggae bingo cards when they were drawn up in 93 i suspect that uh, someone was going to do it and uh, it may as well be them i mean it's okay they have help here as it says uh, on the credits on the disc with with jack radix and taxi gang um jack radix turned up on some other um songs i think he got the odd credit here and there but taxi gang who who knows presumably they just disappeared off in their taxis i don't know who they were not sure what they add to this it's okay i mean it was a number one hit so it was always going to be on here um it's not something i particularly hate but it's not something i love either when you go back and listen to this disc you don't go oh god yes this you go oh yeah this (laughs) it's it's it very much doesn't lift the spirits not like track three which which a quality anthemic sing-along dream and things can only get better Yes, Brian Cox is back. Well, I don't, I don't think he was actually on this one. I, um, but uh, yeah, I, I bought this at the time on a CD single. Uh, it was one of those that I thought, oh yeah, I love this. And now, of course, I've heard it so much, I'm pretty fed up with it, to be honest. Um, the uh, the election campaign use later on probably didn't help its cause, really. Um, the thing that confuses me, though, is that every version from this one onwards, you get the spoken intro, um, which is about 30 seconds long the first version of this song that came out as you will remember john from when we played it on urn just went straight into the song with no um spoken intro but it's almost like that's been wiped from history i i can't find a copy of that for for love nor money i guess because this second version of it became so well known i suppose yeah um i mean and it did start with a kind of bizarre grunt is everything yeah it was like they didn't quite edit it right so maybe that's why they uh, they went back yeah. to the the full version yeah. but I, I kind of liked the immediacy of that first version but as i say no one remembers that now anyways no and i'm sure these days it will be queued in anyway to get rid of the spoken intro because no one likes anything other than just cracking straight on with it. yes um our, our friends at lung fm like to edit songs down to uh, about two and a half minutes god forbid if anyone should have an intro longer than 30 seconds no it's the way of it it's all done research with research apparently if you have an intro that's like longer than i think about 15 seconds these days um the youtube generation and the spotify generation hit skip because they can't cope Ah. with an intro well and and there's stuff coming up later on in this album that would absolutely kill them Uh, (laughs) i can't hear things can only get better a bit like you it's been slightly overplayed but every time i i now hear it i get that horrible vision of john prescott dancing like Mm. a dad and uh, and that doesn't help it. Uh, but yeah, yeah, at the time, fantastic tune. Enjoyed it lots. Uh, another bit of quality anthemic pop now for track four. We're going to hear a bit of it as well. Here come E17.
is track four on disc one of Now 27. It's All Right by E17. And uh, I said a while back that Deep was probably my favourite E17 song. And I'd forgotten about this one because I really like this as well. In fact, the more you think about E17 songs, I I think the more you realise actually a lot of them were pretty good quality. I mean, you could probably make a case for House of Love and uh, Let It Rain and some of the other later ones as well that we'll be covering in due course. Good pop song, this. And I love the rap. The uh, tick your nightmare, change it to a dream, all that business. I, I love that. It's bonkers. Wow, it was it was like Tony was in the room. For it is, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would agree with you. I, I think it is a, a brilliant song. Um, it's so well produced. The fact you've got two Kens in the uh, in the lineup. And Brian Harvey's not had anything to write home about. Again, I can't hear this without visions of him sort of dancing and posing and doing that thing with his arms on the camera. Uh, the fact you have basically got one and a half decent members in a four-piece band and they produce song after song after song that is so high quality is it's hats off to the production yeah and the, i mean the piano intro is quality as well again that's mr mortimer's contribution coming to the fore isn't it and uh it, it's just an all-round quality pop song really um it's it's a bit of a shame that they seem to have been airbrushed from history whereas other contemporaries like take that and you know people like that have um become big stars because uh, they did have a lot to offer i mean i never really bought the rivalry between his 17 and take that they're both doing very very different things but um you you certainly don't hear any 17 songs on radio stations other than at christmas time do you no you don't uh, and, and more's the pity i think uh, it's slightly similar to how erasure have sort of been airbrushed from history yeah. as well a fantastic back catalog still going strong and yet yeah that's one of those things that you just don't hear their tunes uh, and i'm not sure why so yes message to radio stations dig out some e17 and play a bit more of it just for old time's sake yeah um instead of instead of playing <laughs> track five over and over again and people we have already covered moving on up on a previous desk we didn't like it then nothing's happened to change our opinion bit of a late arrival on now 27 i presume they couldn't get the rights until this point probably it's not actually uh, as bad as all that, this song, it's as good as it gets hmm. from them people, which are, uh, they shouldn't take that as any kind of praise whatsoever. Um, track six, Eternal, Save Our Love. Uh, uh, and I have a massively similar problem with this that I have with them people, this over-glossy production masking like sort of myriad deficiencies with the quality of the vocal and a, and a really cheap and nasty backing track. It's it's soulless soul music. I don't see the point. Yeah, it's it's a bit bland, isn't it? I mean, we um, I think when we reviewed Now 26, we were quite positive about Stay, weren't we? I think we both said it was probably a bit better than we remembered. Um, this mm. this hasn't uh, aged well at all. As you say, it just sounds a bit cheap. Um, the the dinging bell thing is, is not an un- unattractive motif to have in there. But that's about the only really good bit about it, I would say. It's just all a bit kind of bland, isn't it? I suppose is the word. It's filled three minutes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Eternal. I'd love to say you were more exciting than that because I'm sure they were putting their heart and soul into it. Uh, but, you know, if that was as good as it got, then probably uh, a missed choice of career, perhaps. 
let's play something that's going to cheer us up a bit, I think. Let's go for track seven. And um, a German band with some Taiwanese Aborigine folk singing in it. What can possibly go wrong? Oblong Desk, we are reviewing now 27 this time. We've reached track 7 on disc 1. You just heard Enigma and Return to Innocence. Now this, I remember being played an awful lot on MTV um, late in 1993, so a a bit before it was released here. Um, And I just assumed that this was going to be one of those that MTV played to death that would be huge all over Europe and would kind of do not very much here because after sadness had got to number one they'd struggled to get anything really significantly high up the chart they'd had a couple of minor hits uh, and a couple of flops i think as i recall um and i just assumed this was going to be another flop and i was completely wrong because this was a top five hit wasn't it yeah um i i I love this and i think the reason why this may have done better is because obviously you had the monks in the beginning with the sadness that was all that was all the weird quirk and so people bought it because it was quirky and different um obviously this this does have this taiwanese guy uh, which they sampled off a a, i think it was a 1960s you know when they used to go out and record you know with the the bbc yes to to the back of beyond and record some actual natural samples of life Uh, yeah and uh, and this was one of those um with the how are you I'm not Taiwanese, listener, uh, nor am I Aborigine or folky, so I can't do it justice. But I think what's at the heart of this that makes it great is the fact that there is a proper song going on as well. Yeah. Really good, really good lyrics. It's an incredible vocal uh, and a really beautiful message as well. So, yeah, overall, you take out the, the weird quirkiness. If that guy wasn't in there, this would still be a great song. And the fact he is in there and that adds that little bit of, yeah, totally see why this was, this was a hit. It has got a good vocal. It is a proper song, which not all the Enigma uh, singles were before that. Some of them were just an exercise in kind of ambient music rather than creating a pop song, which uh, this absolutely is. Um, We don't know who does the main vocal, though, do we? I'm I'm not sure if it is Michael Cretu, the man who's uh, behind Enigma, um, or whether it's somebody else. Uh, I'm not quite sure. No, I have no... It's one of those... The internet cannot solve everything mysteries, is this. Um, and they're particularly, I have to say, with my hashtag MeToo hat on, they're particularly weak on female vocals. Yes. Uncredited female vocals, yeah. yes. More research needs to be done, possibly by... I was going to say Oz then, but that's... No, like that'll take idiot. too long. It, it's, it's an idiotic thing to suggest. <laughs> we need somebody who's much more anoraki and nerdy and invested in finding the truth. Uh, whereas we, we just like go, oh, we don't know that. That's a shame. Well, we so, can, listener, if that is you, yeah, we can we can get the listener to tell us, can't? We? Yes, yes, and then we'll share it. That's that's what we are—a conduit of knowledge rather than the source of it. <sighs> hey, let's play some more music. Let's play uh, the Mighty Brothers Gib, and for whom the bell tolls, it's track eight on now twenty-seven. Oh 
is the first appearance for the Bee Gees on a Now album, although admittedly it was also their first hit since 1987 when You Win Again got to number one. That was For Whom the Bell Tolls, and uh, although Eternal had a bell sound in their song, uh, the Bee Gees don't, do they, for this, but they just they just talk about it instead. Uh, it's a cracking pop song, though. Yeah, it's... I mean, at this point, the Bee Gees were slightly heading into what we refer to as BG noises. Where <laughs> yes. they, they have their sound uh, and they make their little falsetto thing and you know it's a BG song. They, they are fantastic songwriters. Let's make no bones about it. This is not my favourite thing they've ever done and it's not my favourite thing full stop. But you can't mistake the quality that lies within the crafting of the song they're just very good at it um trivia corner the phrase for whom the bell tolls which um you know ask not for whom the bell tolls it tolls for the all that uh, which most people think is shakespeare it isn't it comes from the tudor poet john dunn uh, and from a paragraph which he wrote which starts with the phrase no man is an island so he's got two cracking things yeah. in there in, into one paragraph good going um and obviously to power borrowed that uh, for their album track island uh well, you say obviously many ago. you say obviously, I say obvious, but <laughs> obviously to me yes i didn't uh, know that no uh, so so i wonder if there's any other examples of a single paragraph that has not only inspired two well-known phrases but two songs that's very good research. There's, yes, and and, and that's, I was pleased. That. Yes, and that's John Donne. It's spelt in a slightly odd way, isn't it? Um, is it D O D O N N E? That's it. Not not like John Donne, the, the DJ, uh, the old Radio no, Two DJ. No. no, no. I was confused the first time I discovered <laughs> yes. that there was a poet also called John Donne. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, he's got a, he's got a house, a blue plaque house, just down the road from me. Oh, that's nice. Well, there you go. The, the poet, the poets, not the DJ. Or, or the Bee Gees. Although, uh, although they probably got one somewhere in uh, was it Manchester? They uh, they moved to Manchester, and then the and then the Isle of Man as well. I'm That's sure there right. must be something on there. Yeah, yeah. There's got to be, hasn't there? Um, I I don't think our next artist has a blue plaque anywhere. Um, if she does, it, it's probably um, not entirely deserved. I would suggest track nine. Uh, Wendy Moton. Coming out of the rain. Actually, she won't have a blue plaque because she's not British. I think people have to be British for that, or at least residents in Britain, don't they? Um, now, yes. this Wendy Moton song was everywhere at the time, um, despite the fact it's pretty standard balladry. Uh, she wasn't a one-hit wonder. You might have assumed she was, but she managed to get another one just about scraping into the top 40. Uh, I find this very, very dull. Yeah, I think the nicest thing you can say about this is that it at least fits in with the mood of this part of uh, of disc one. It's it's, it's not awful. You know? She does a good job mm. singing it. It's just it's just the song. The song is so tedious. It's very Americanized, and you you can see why they love that kind of thing. And every so often, someone like this comes along and has a hit in the UK. And like I said, one more minor hit, and they're never seen again. Fair enough. Hmm. Yes, let's continue with the ballads then. Track 10 is Dina Carroll and The Perfect Year. Now, there's there's not many songs about New Year itself, obviously Christmas being the thing you write about, uh, and a week later, who's buying records. So so fair play to her for doing that. Uh, it's a little bit of a niche market that's been cornered by Old Lang Syne, uh, and these days people play Firework by Katy Perry by let, while, whilst letting off fireworks, which is just no, just, just think a little harder. Uh, but I would rather have ABBA singing Happy New Year if I have to have a New Year song, because at least it's happy. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. Who who wants a ballad when you're about to watch Jules Holland drunkenly falling over like Courtney Pine, Jamie Cullen, <laughs> and a, se- a session rec- a session guitarist who once recorded something with Beverly Knight on Hootenanny? I mean, you, this is not a New Year's Eve party song, and so I. No, good it's as, not. No. Good as, good as she is. Good as she is as a singer. This ain't the song to do it. No, I mean, the, I think it was the last New Year specific song until the Sugar Babes came along with one called, well, New Year. Um, in, was that kind of 2000 ish, I think, I'd, I'd like to say. Um, and their song actually referenced Christmas, confusingly. So that, that made it even less likely to be played uh, on the radio. Um, it's a bit strange having this on the album. I can kind of see why it got on here. Dina Carroll had already been on several Now albums. Um, in fact, I think pretty much all of her singles up to this point had been covered either on Now or Now Dance. Um, but it's, yeah, it's not her finest. It's a one-off single. Um, wasn't on the album so I guess yeah if you if you're gonna have it anyway you may as well have it on a compilation but uh, this compilation was released in as we've already said at the end of March not in January therefore quite how many people would want to listen to it just as the uh, daffodils are coming out is um, a bit of a moot point I would say mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now then track 11 and you know we were talking about this uh, our YouTube generation and their inability to stick with things for more than 18 seconds or whatever it is. Well, track 11 is Phil Collins with Every Day. It is a minute and a half before he could even be asked (laughs) to start singing. Up to that point, up to that point, we are treated, unquote, to some piano noises. And it's like wherever you dip into this, and and literally that's all I could stand to do is dip into this at various points. Nothing interesting is ever happening at all. No. It's like it's the the most Phil Collins just sitting or leaning against things. Just give us a chorus, Phil. (laughs) Well, I I, I just had to... uh fast forward through the intro because i was convinced that i was listening to the wrong version or something they put the album version on here but there probably wasn't a single version they probably just released whatever was on the album um yes it's not very good is it really uh 90s phil collins is in general apart from something happened on the way to heaven which doesn't count because it was off an album released in the 80s anyway um pretty dire and this doesn't um change that yeah, and it very much had the look, though. I mean, there aren't many fashiony looks that I would go, yeah, that's cool, and be wrong about. But Phil Collins is turned up jacket sleeves, uh, and, Ooh, yeah. and you know, that kind of the Miami Vice kind of look, but but a little bit cooler. And it the was bloody- a quality was a quality look for a man who otherwise was just a middle aged balding drummer. But that that bloody tin of paint, though, I mean, for goodness sake, every time, and no doubt it was there if he did this on top of the pops, which I'm assuming he did, he'd have had the tin of paint. Yes, your wife left you for a decorator, Phil. Get over it, for God's sake. Fifteen years later, still banging on about it. I bet he was. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Right, right. Ballads, more ballads, ballady <laughs> ballads. Do you think? Do you think Ashley Abraham was in like a bad emotional place at this point? Because I do <laughs> this wonder. is almost like it's almost like the Tony Blackburn thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Richard Marx's track twelve, right? Although it is ballad central, I think this is at least a decent ballad. 
emotional sensitive um, uh, and it's got a really nice stripped back production to it which it, which is what I want to hear from my ballads I don't want them overproduced and commercialized I want them from the heart and I think that this whilst it's not my favorite ballad and it's not my favorite Richard Marx thing even I don't think this is a bad effort at all uh, I don't like it. I, I don't know why. There's something about it that just doesn't click with me at all. I think it's partly because um, they were playing it an awful lot on Trent FM at the time. Now, just quick background to this. Um, this album covers um, mostly the first quarter of 94. There's a little bit from the back end of 93 on here as well. Um, as I've said before, um, I was back at home at the end of 1993 and also at the beginning of 94 and then i went back to nottingham uh round about springtime i can't remember exactly when but it would have been around about the time this came out this album um and richard marx was just played forever on trent and uh, other local radio stations even after it was going down out of the chart and i just got totally bored of it it was that time if you remember when they'd just been taken over by um GWR wasn't it? Not the railway company, yes. the the radio company, no, and um, and they were playing about thirty songs over and over again, and this was one of them. So I think that explains probably why I really don't like it. Okay, okay, I don't mind it at all. Um, as I say, I wouldn't go out and hunt it down, but uh, it's certainly for me at any rate a lot better than what follows, which um, was a much bigger hit and, and is a much played hit as well uh, the cranberries and linger uh, i know it's against the law to slag off the cranberries i cannot be doing with dolores's take on singing and and it's a shame because actually linger is quite an excellent song and i just hate listening to it because of her voice and the way she sings it i don't like her voice either but um, what I would suggest before we go any further, listener, is don't do as I did and do an amusing feature on your radio show where you slag off a song and then get people to phone in and say why they think it's good and why you're wrong. Don't slag off someone singing in a very strong Irish accent on St. Patrick's Day. That's not a great idea. I did this once because not being Irish, I didn't know it was St. Patrick's Day. didn't even think about it and then proceeded to play one of the Cranberry songs. Not this, I don't think. And then slag it off to high heaven. Yeah, that didn't go down very well with one of the listeners who accused me of basically being... <laughs> <laughs> well i won't i won't go into that but you can imagine what i was being accused of um you know I, let, let's just say i was being put in the same kind of bracket as jerry adams and leave it there um but that wasn't intentional listener just to clarify it was not intentional at all um however i don't like uh, her voice either but unlike you i can kind of cope with this one i think it's the only acceptable cranberry song linger i would say i'd love to hear it done by somebody else let's put it that way have you ever been a daft racist? Um, John, you can't say anything these days. Yes, of course you can. Get a grip. And let us know your favourite Phil Collins fashion faux pas, the things you had back then which you thought made you look cool. And still, you secretly do. All of that to at the oblong desk on generic social media. Coming up, these clips, but in context... I was frankly ready to slag it off then and I haven't changed my mind now. Awful. 
this is like an adult nursery rhyme and there isn't a massive market for adult baby things and if there is i want no part of that market after the godlike genius that is tori amos this is not rhythm. this is not really happening you bet your life it is You're listening to Oblong Desk and we're reviewing now 27 with track 14 there from Tori Amos. It's Cornflake Girl, which is slightly more poppy and accessible than a lot of Tori Amos's back catalogue. But what a song this is. Yeah, I've not been as kind of excited about this in the past, but I think listening to the album in context, after all those ballads especially, it really is a breath of fresh air, isn't it? Um, it's very different, very quirky, as you'd expect. Um, it's still not one of my favourite Tori Amos songs, but, you know, th- there's nothing wrong with it. it. It was her breakthrough hit. It was her first massive hit. I'm pretty sure they've put the album version on here. I think there is a shorter edit but they've gone with the album version um which is unusual for for a now um but it's not not much different to be honest with you no i think there's a little bit more piano on this yes. i sometimes wonder how wide her arm wingspan is because if you hear how low and how high the the, the range of the piano and this this for me is what sets her apart from say sort of the other kind of angry slash quirky female american vocalists that there are around i'm sure you can think of a few uh, her her keyboard skills are phenomenal as well as the songwriting as well as the interesting subject matter as well as the fact she's mad um <laughs> Which is which is why she got compared to Kate Bush. I think it was as much the the piano as as much as the um, vocals and the quirkiness. Because let's not forget, Kate Bush was a very accomplished pianist as well as being, you know, a very good singer in my opinion. Uh, so you can see why the comparisons came there. But yeah, if you just if you just think about the American artists that were around at the time, I mean, I'm I'm trying to think of some. There's Alanis Morissette, and there's a little bit later, but probably in that same bracket. Um, and yeah, she is a cut above, isn't she? If you are only aware of this and maybe one or two other things, the earlier stuff is a lot darker and yeah. a lot more um, weird. Yeah. And, and some some of it, some of it's beautiful, but it's certainly not commercial. Um, and I think this is definitely the kind of a good entry point yeah. if you're going to explore the world of Amos. Yeah, agreed. Track 15 is the beautiful South with good as gold, brackets, stupid as mud, brackets off. Yeah, or carry on regardless, which is what everybody calls it, which is neither the bit outside nor inside the brackets. Yeah, it was the first single to feature Jacqueline Abbott, who's now uh, doing stuff with Paul Heaton uh, as a duo, of course. Um, Only number 23 this got to, which I think would surprise people a bit. Um, Another one that was played endlessly on Trent FM back in the day. Um, This was coming out just as now 27 was being compiled, and The Beautiful South were pretty regular on now album so i guess it was always likely to make the cut i don't mind it um i know you're less of a fan of the beautiful south than me i think um i wouldn't put this in their top draw of singles well i think at their best 
uh, the Beautiful South combine sort of really pithy lyrics and catchy melodies, and it's like oh, it makes you smile, but also think at the same time, and that's commendable. Uh, and one or two of their songs, I really think, are absolute top draw. This is like an adult nursery rhyme, mm. and there isn't a massive market for that sort of thing. I don't think kind of adult baby things Uh, and if there is i want no part of that market (laughs) i don't want to even think about it instead what we ought to do is move on to uh, our next track and get through that one as quickly as possible as well which is meatloaf and rock and roll dreams come through and my rock and roll dreams are to be a long long way from this bloated balladic nonsense that's interesting actually because um I thought this was a lot better than I remembered it. I was going into this thinking, oh, here we go. Uh, And I enjoyed it more than I expected to, let's say. I wouldn't say it's a classic by any means. It was originally a number 52 single for Jim Steinman himself in 1981, although he didn't sing it. Uh, The vocals were by someone called Rory Dodd, who uh, sounds like (laughs) some kind of town mayor rather than a singer, which is probably why he wasn't well, I think he was credited on the single, but uh, it, it was it came out under Jim Steinman's name, which you can kind of understand. A bit more rock and roll, that, isn't it? Meat Loaf's version that we've got here was number 11, uh, so a much bigger hit. Um, yeah, I mean, it's Meat Loaf, isn't it? You know what you're going to get with Meat Loaf doing a Jim Steinman song. But I would say it's probably better than I would do anything for love. I'd rather hear this one, I think. No, I'd rather hear the other one. I'd rather okay. hear neither of them, actually. Well, yes, there is um, God, actually, though... <laughs> given what's coming next um track 17 is primal scream and rocks i'm gonna try and say something nice look primal scream are not half as important or good as bobby gillespie thinks he or they are let's just get that out there right now uh, i think the kindest thing i can say about them is they're an above average rolling stones tribute band well they were at this point um screamadelica was a bit of a, a kind of what's the word an outlier i suppose in their catalogue because it had the dance beats on it it had andy weatherall may he rest in peace um doing his magic on it and that's why i think it's a brilliant album uh when this album came out the next one give out but don't give up we had a review copy at urn and i think i was the lucky individual who got to review it and after listening to track after track of lumpy rock nonsense i was frankly ready to slag it off then and i haven't changed my mind now i mean this was a top 10 hit let's not forget none of the singles off screamadelica made the top 10 this did um and it is as you say a, a blatant stones pastiche everything else on the album is as well even the ballads um awful i feel we need to cleanse ourselves uh, there's, there's been a lot of dross through this section but um actually this one doesn't end too badly let's play a bit of track 18 and uh, It's a quirky band you may not remember. It's the Gin Blossoms and Hey Jealousy. (laughs) 
That's Hey Jealousy by the Jim Blossoms, track 18 on disc one of now 27, which we're reviewing here on Oblong Desk. A number 24 hit. So um, quite a generous inclusion by uh, Ashley, this one, but it fits with the rock section at the end of disc one, so fair enough. Um, they actually had four top 40 hits, did the Jim Blossoms. You'd probably never know. Uh, if you remember any of them, it would be this one. I think it's perfectly fine. It's, uh, it's a decent piece of uh, American college rock, I suppose you might call it um, and a pretty memorable tune and it's one of those that falls into the category and we seem to say this at least once every every time we review a main now album if it wasn't on here then you know potentially it could have fallen through the cracks you'd, n- you'd never have heard of it ever again yeah I, I absolutely agree with you I, I mean there's there's sort of a green dayishness about it for anyone who wants a kind of a reference point if you haven't heard them um I say okay bit of college rock it's got a nice chorus to it um and it's a little bit different because it, at that time there wasn't really an awful lot of that sort of stuff around we had the big indie scene the british indie scene this sounds significantly more upbeat and happier than that and it's a nice way of adding something that isn't either over bloated rock or uh, or people trying to be the rolling stones it's it's very much its own thing on this on this album it's a unique bit of uh, yeah, bit of music for that i was going to say there's there, there's that kind of weird period for american rock we were kind of post grunge here weren't we so you'd had the grunge miserabilism of you know nirvana and pearl jam and soundgarden and all that lot although some of those were still around and having hits obviously but then you had these other bands like jim blossom spin doctors i suppose maybe you could put in there um blind melon people like that who came along and were doing kind of more cheery upbeat stuff didn't last for very long but i kind of quite liked that brief period when we didn't have miserabilism in rock i suppose yeah i hate to disappoint you then because uh, well, we're yes, going to end the disc with some <laughs> with, with some misery <laughs> more depression to end disc one um it's good though it's good the song. smashing pumpkins smashing pumpkins disarm which is track 19 uh, it's emotionally charged it's got some soaring strings in it that that that's in the future uh, bands like the verve might hear and go oh we'll just do that yeah that's easy i'll just nick that um, not that the Verve would ever nick anything. Of course not. In fact, maybe maybe they were listening to the end of this album and thought, you know what, we could do something that's a bit Rolling Stonesy, but with some smashing pumpkins <laughs> uh, strings in. That might that might work. Um, anyway, I'm sure the Verve were not listening to this, and Richard Ashcroft disclaimer wholeheartedly <laughs> disclaimer. steal things. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, Disarm, uh, which is um, about gun control, I believe. That would make um, sense. Yeah. Yes, it, it's really quite good and, quite, as I say, quite powerfully charged. It is, though, really quite depressing and downbeat. It is, it is. I mean, it was their biggest hit at the time. Got to number 11. They had slightly bigger hits later. I think it's the best thing they ever did. I mean, as you say, it's very downbeat. I really like the... Is it tubular bells they, they have in this? The bit that goes ding, 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 the kind of motif that goes through. There's quite a lot of bells on this yeah. disc, isn't there? I've only come to the conclusion that there's an awful lot of bells going on on disc one. Uh, anyway, um, I, I like that. Leftover from Christmas. <laughs> yes, possibly. I... Um, I, I like that bit of the song. It kind of drives the mood, I suppose, of, of the track. Yeah, not not the most upbeat way to end uh, disc one, but then uh, <laughs> disc two starts in a very different way indeed. So uh, Yes, let's, let's get a bit of a gear change on and stick disc two in.
27 disc 2 wow what a gear change um track one is dupe by dupe and this was huge wasn't it just just enormous i think i may even have bought this um, <laughs> because you know it was just colossal at the time everybody loved it it was a huge number one it's our third and final number one on this edition i'm going to do some triple a here i'm going to roll out the ashley abram applause do you know why okay do you know why no uh, no, no, tell me. He put it on as a pre-release track, so it wasn't even out when this album was compiled, so he was taking Whoa. a bit of a punt, although it had already, I believe, been quite big around Europe. I mean, they were Dutch, so it had already hit the European charts, so I suppose it was a fairly safe bet, but even so, you never know, as we shall find out very, very soon, um, but uh, sticking to dupe for the moment, it was called the Urge to Merge mix, this, because there are actually two versions knocking about, did you know that? There's the, there's the main bit of the song, which which is the Charleston-y bit um, with the with the female vocals. And then there's the bit that comes in towards the end, which is just a keyboard bit that goes boop, 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 boop. And I actually quite like the keyboardy bit better than the vocal bit, but I'm probably alone on that, really. But um, it, it's all right. Uh, I don't think it's something I'd be rushing to hear again, but it's got that kind of nostalgic kick, hasn't it, when you hear it again? You think, ah, oh, yeah. I mean, it is at least a bit of fun. Oh, absolutely. And uh, do, you know what, do you know what surprises me? No one, as far as I'm aware, given that this is probably the only straight Charleston slash dancing, no one has ever done a Charleston to this on Strictly. Have they not? In spite of the fact that it, it, it is... No. No. No one's ever... <laughs> they do Charleston to all sorts of weird yeah, things. Uh, and, and, you know, and they contemporise. So the only conclusion I can draw is that Dave Arch doesn't like this and he thinks it's somehow beneath the wonderful orchestra to play it. Yeah, so probably. That, that must be the only... Um, sort it out, Arch. It's good stuff, this, and it deserves deserves somebody dancing to it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there was a follow-up, but uh, Huckleberry Jam failed to uh, trouble the chart scorers, and uh, I, I, I did hear it at the time, and I can totally see why. Okay, track two, then. And after the Lord Mayor's show, come right, said Fred, with... Wonder Man, Wonder Man, which is disappointingly, disappointingly not the Tiny Temper slash Ellie Goulding Wonder Man, which is brilliant, uh, but hadn't been invented yet. This, what were they thinking? Uh, what were they thinking? Yeah, a bit, a bit of context. Uh, it's another pre-release track, uh, as per dupe, but. Um, I, I'm not sure what... Did we ever work out what the inverse of Ashley Abram applause was? Because uh, he really dropped the ball with this one. Uh, what did we call it? I can't remember. Uh, Ashley's arse up. Yes, that's it. Uh, that'll do. Um, a number 55 non-hit, this one. Um, it's to do with Sonic the Hedgehog. Now, you know... Uh, very well that we'd already had a perfectly good Sonic the Hedgehog related pop song. It was called Supersonic. It was by HWA featuring Sonic the Hedgehog. It was frankly quite magnificent and was at least a hit, although not a very big one. Absolute disgrace. I've never got over that. Um, but Wright said Fred don't suit this kind of thing. And it's just really oddly put together. The song itself isn't too bad, um, but it, it's all over the place. Wright said Fred just sound like fish out of water basically um one of the lyrics is uh, is it they keep saying there he is or something and you're thinking well i'm listening to you talking about a computer game i'm not playing it so he isn't there is he i mean 
he's in my imagination. And also, last time I looked, Sonic was very much a hedgehog, not a man. So why is it called Wonder Man? None of this makes any sense. It is confusing, isn't it? I can tell you've thought long and hard about this. You can, of course, now watch people playing video games, uh, yeah. particularly since since the new normal that we now live in, it's perfectly acceptable to switch on Sky Sports of all places yes. and pay <laughs> to watch people playing video games. But but no, this this was ahead of its time in that regard. But oh, well, no. The only thing I can think is that you know with with Right Said Fred's plummeting chart positions, uh, they they obviously just thought right, we're not going to be in this business for much longer and therefore yes i will take your mighty dollar whoever's paying me and i will sing and say whatever it is that you put in front of me. <laughs> that's a sad state of affairs for the fairbrasses to get into but you know they've got to put food on the table they've got to you know have their shiny bald heads polished so you need money to do that and so that's the only explanation i can come up for this because it's utter dross from beginning to end I think that's a fair summary. Um, Track three, however, isn't. So here's a bit of that. It's Capella and Move On Baby. I want music to get your feeling. Check me out, this is how I'm feeling. The bass, the mid, the treble, just do sit together. Because I want music. There's a bit of Move On Baby by Capella. They are listening to it as we review now 27 on this edition of Oblong Desk. And uh, they've arranged their bits into a slightly different order. They've got the Capella toolkit out, put it all into a certain order because it's all there. The standard issue bits of Capella. It's not their finest work, but it does definitely do a job for me. I think it may well be their finest work. Now, you see, unlike some of the others, which were extremely repetitive, I'm thinking you got to let the music hear. I think this is what you might call a proper song. It has a verse, it has a chorus, it even has a kind of bridge almost. And what's interesting is the chorus, I think, to me, is the instrumental bit. Now, that's something that early synth bands did quite a lot. If you listen to early OMD singles, if you think about Enola Gay, Messages, uh, all the early ones, the chorus was always the instrumental bit, never a vocal. So it's almost like Capella are doing their tribute to the early 80s here, which I heartily approve of. Um, Everybody else will probably call this throwaway dance and say, notes you're talking absolute rot. But uh, but that's my reasoning anyway for Gianfranco Bortolotti being a genius. And I know you're a big fan, and I and I doff my hat to you to to enjoying certain genres of music that I don't necessarily think are that great. But you know, you've made a spirited defence of Mr. Borsotti on many occasions. Jerry Rafferty's Baker Street is another one. Yes, actually, it is, isn't it? Yes, you're right. There are quite and, a few. And Der- Derek and the Dominoes, Layla. But that though, there you go. Yes, that's true. Actually, it's not. I'm not. It's it's not unique. Not unique. No, it isn't, but, uh, but uh, I'd rather listen to OMD over Eric Clapton any day. Anyhow, um, move on, baby, got to know... Oh, Stevie Wonder, Stevie Wonder. What, Sir Duke? Uh, Sir Duke. Yeah, I suppose so, yeah. Okay, so everybody's done yeah. it then. Oh, well. Um, <laughs> nonetheless, nonetheless, a number seven hit, and uh, quite deserving of that, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. It's certainly better than the next one. It is. Um, which is a, of similar vein. We're into Euro dance mode now on... Uh, 
on disc two and culture beat anything is track four um do you know, the vocal is actually out of tune with the backing track on this uh, <laughs> and i suppose if you off, if you're off your face on ecstasy that doesn't matter too much but i don't think you should have to get into that state listener to listen to music no pills no pills yes, don't kids. take them yes li- listen listen, to, listen to a different song Dr- drugs are bad okay uh, and what you need is a different song to this it's really quite dreadful yeah it's not a good start lyrically either is it when your uh, first line is is there anything more i can do for you shall my hair be red or shall it be blue um neither probably i would suggest um confusingly the singer doesn't have red or blue hair at least as far as i can remember so um yeah she's not even telling the truth listener imagine that people in music not telling the truth yeah i don't like this either and i i'm the kind of perfect target market for this kind of stuff really and and i think it's one of the worst things they did much better advice on track five you see don't take drugs let the beat control your body by two unlimited see they're they're the dutch they've got the right idea well, but don't take mind-altering chemicals. Definitely go to Holland if you <laughs> yes. want to avoid drugs. <laughs> yes, kids. Well, I mean, uh, providing that we are absolutely 100% definite that they're talking about a dance beat controlling your body and not the band The Beat, famous for doing Mirror in the Bathroom and, and such other pop songs. We, I don't think I'd want them controlling my body. Um, either way, I think this is average to Unlimited stuff. It's, it's not one of my favourites of theirs. I like it. Thanks. There we go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, as you say, it's it's perfectly standard issue to Unlimited, which there's there's no problem with. Uh, and I like this one. It's got it's got Ray being silly in it. It's got Anita wailing in the background, and it's it's over a an infectious dance beat. What's not to like? So you like it. I don't like it. But mate, do you like to move it? I do like to move it. I like to move it. Move it. That is track six on disc two of now 27. And as my highly humorous intro to that probably indicated, that was Real to Real featuring the Mad Stuntman with I Like to Move It, which has become uh, quite a ubiquitous classic in films since, hasn't it, of all things? Yeah, uh, several films, uh, including most famously, given my um, now parenting that I do, the Madagascar franchise. Uh, and there's a quite beautiful version by Sasha Baron Cohen at the end of one of the films, which is well worth hearing. Uh, yes, yes, I think I've heard that. And it was in Shrek too, wasn't it? Uh, well, one of the Shrek films, yes, anyway. Yes, so, yeah, people love it. it oh, and why not? It's a dance classic. Um, verbal conjugation has never sounded so good, has it? I like to move it, you like to move it. They like to move it. He, she, it likes to move it. This is how we should teach children proper verb forms so they don't go around sounding thick. Well, maybe you should suggest that to your uh, teacher colleagues. That would uh, that would be an idea, I think. The, um, the, the thing I like best about this 
I mean, it's a cracking song anyway. That that's kind of goes without saying. But um, it also exposed the absolute nonsense of the Pepsi chart or the network chart or whatever it was called at the time. Um, I was and still am a huge advocate for the real chart um, as presented by uh, Lord Bruno Brooks at the time, of course, and uh, regarded the Pepsi chart as a uh, made-up load of old nonsense. Now, as you may recall, at around this time, and I think they did this for most of the 90s, the top 10 were based on sales in the Pepsi chart, as per the official chart. Um, but positions from number 11 downwards uh, were all based on airplay, radio airplay, which, as we've already referred to uh, by our comments earlier on the likes of Richard Marx, was not necessarily an indicator of high quality uh, or any of the public's judgment. Um, now, Real to Real bounced up and down the charts for ages. It peaked at number five, but it kept moving up and down the kind of the seven, eight, nine, ten positions uh, in the charts. And there was one week early on in its chart run when it went down from number 10 to number 11 in the official chart and then bounced back up to number 10. But because hardly any radio stations were playing it, because, I mean, you might not believe this listening to radio stations now, but they wouldn't touch this with a barge pole at the time. It was far too weird for commercial radio. So in the Pepsi chart, it went from number 10 to number 30, and then because it had to, back to number 10, which just made the whole thing look utter nonsense, and yet people still carried on listening to it. There you go. That's my little chart story over and done with. Yeah, um, I mean, th th there's probably time elsewhere to debate the uh, sales slash airplay, and now we've got obviously sales slash downloads slash streams slash whatever. Yes, uh, and, YouTube. And the yeah. algorithms that have to go into those can obviously be manipulated to prove what you want them to prove. Who knows what the right answer is, but clearly that wasn't. <laughs> no. Right. Do you know what, listener? You're probably going, it's Oblong Desk and you haven't handed out a Warnock Award yet this episode. Well, worry no more because we are about to. Track seven is K7. A little bit of Ashley Abraham applause there for putting K7 as track seven. Yeah, yeah a little well, one. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, and their song, Come Baby Come. Uh, this is getting the Warnock Award, this album, for being so remarkably misogynistic. There's lots of other reasons as well, but you've got to give me loving. You've got to. And you've got to give me some. I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, I mean the, the lyrics right the way through are banal, badly sung, uh, uh, and even the sampling, which is the best bit about it, is not particularly clever. No. And the video, the video. I watched this just to uh, make myself morally outraged. Features a woman suggestively licking an ice cream as K7 drive by slowly in their drop top. I mean, it it just ticks every "don't do this anymore" box. Yeah, belief. and and the thing is, it was never good in the first place. I mean, there's plenty of stuff that you wouldn't advocate doing now that at the time, in context, which sometimes gets forgotten about, you can see why it happened. I, I never understood the need for any of this nonsense. There was a, a kind of... Well, not a movement. That's, that's making it sound like it was organised. It wasn't. But there were quite a few acts like this at the time. I'm thinking of the tag team with Wump, there it is, who did all this kind of shouty, posse-type stuff with banal lyrics and really nothing to recommend it that then kind of evolved as the decade went on and by the end of the 90s and into the 2000s you had the Baha men with oh who let the dogs out which kind of makes me want to 
slash my wrist even thinking about it. Don't do that at home, kids. Um, Black Legend. Do you remember Black Legend? Ruining Barry White. Fat Man Scoop. That was the nadir, wasn't it? Fat Man Scoop! Crooklyn Clan! I'm thinking, yes. And your point is... And, yeah, it it was the precursor of all that. So for that alone, it it needs a Warnock. Yes, it can have one, and it should probably be presented to them by a raging feminist who will give them a jolly good piece of her mind. Would you like to hear Noakes perform the entire Fat Man Scoop back catalogue? Yeah, I thought so. Uh, all requests to at the Oblong Desk on Twitter and Facebook. And don't forget to send us your brushes with minor pop celebrities in unusual circumstances. We love them. Coming up, Noakes takes issue with the sleeve notes... Yeah, neither an artist nor a band, so just a just a floating entity somewhere in in the uh, the musical space. I make a fairly startling but quite obvious admission. I'm not, and for the record, have never been a hormonally charged teenage girl. We find some better tracks to put on now. Twenty seven than Ashley Abraham did, and choose our favourites that he did put on there. Could one of them be credit to the nation? Well, teenage sensation is next. It's Oblong Desk. We are reviewing now 27. We've got to track 8 on disc 2. It was the song you just heard a bit of. It was Teenage Sensation by Credit to the Nation. And these were real URN favourites. So this track was another pre-release. So uh, Ashley Abraham got this reasonably right. It only got to number 24. Uh, It was their only hit, actually. Uh, You remember, John, we played Call It What You Want, which sampled Nirvana's Smells Like Teen Spirit a lot on uh, URN which missed the top 40 nationally but was a hitless top 10 smash yeah absolutely I mean that that was the real kind of breakthrough when I can remember that dropping onto the uh, the CD player uh, at URN and thinking oh hello because obviously you put the Nirvana yeah guitar on the start of a track you're basically making a statement uh, and it'd better be good what you do after that because if you sample it and it's rubbish. <laughs> but um, I'm so pleased that Credit to the Nation have got onto this Now album with their only hit because it's quality, quality British rap with a message, uh, even if that message was that black lives matter but also smoke cannabis kids, um, <laughs> which was never going to play out well commercially. It's such a shame, call it what you want, wasn't a hit as well, but this is absolutely great it's it's really well done it's got a nice chorus probably a bit more commercial yeah than uh, than call it what you want uh, but without the nirvana set but it also didn't have public enemy as well uh but, yes call it what you want yes it had uh welcome to the terror dome uh running all the way through it yeah, yeah. which, which yeah. in itself uh, was a very strong um 
message by Public Enemy in the first place, and, and call it what you want, was pretty strong for the time in terms of what he was saying. This track is, yeah, it's a bit more commercial. It's got the whistling on it as well. It's, you know, it, whether it was deliberately designed to be a hit, I, I doubt very much, but you can see why it was. Um, and, yeah, and, and, it's a good and job I, it had the whistling on it. It made it very easy to edit out... Uh, the many, many references to uh, smoking various uh, yes. illegal drugs uh, and a few swear words as well. It, it's credible stuff for the uh, youth market, let's say, which you can't argue a case of for track nine, probably, which is EYC, express yourself clearly, and uh, the way you work it. Yes, uh, and as I'm not, and for the record, have never been a hormonally charged teenage girl, I can see through the kind of muscle shirts and reverse baseball caps to what is, at the end of the day, a weedy, thin set of voices and a fairly lame song behind it. Well, it's more than fairly lame. It's, <laughs> it's very lame. <laughs> I mean, they had six top 40 hits. Six. Um, but uh, this was the only one that ever featured on a Now album, fortunately, which brings me to our feature, Now Where Else, where I just... Yes, seamless. Where where I, I list all the artists that uh, only appeared on one main Now album. Some of them appeared on various others, uh, dance albums and such like, but... Um, this is the lineup for Nowhere Else on Now 27, then, quite a few of them. Wendy Moton, Tori Amos, bit of a shocker that, I think. Jim Blossoms, Smashing Pumpkins, Dupe, K7, Credit to the Nation, EYC, Deep Forest, Sharon Nelson, Carleen Anderson, Degrees of Motion, and Joe Roberts, which is 13 of the 38, and only two of those were one hit wonders, so the rest were eligible for other Now albums in theory. So over a third of this is unique artists to this now album so which makes it collectible in a certain sense i wouldn't say this is the finest entry in the now canon by any means it's probably one of the weakest i think but there's a lot of stuff that doesn't turn up elsewhere on compilations on here certainly uh, the next one is utterly forgettable to the point where i had completely forgotten it uh bitty mclean and here i stand is track 10 it's not awful but uh, like i say it's I, I i did that alan partridge shrug yeah and me it's, it's yeah that's it really isn't it it's a bitty mclean song it's uh it's not one of the famous ones it still made the top 10 but it, you probably wouldn't remember it unless you stuck this on and listened to it right so to another of our now where else's um track 11 deep forest and sweet lullaby which is the second kind of world music ambient track uh after enigma uh, and really quite a pleasant way to chill out yeah, I really like this. I'm going to read you out what Ashley Abraham or possibly his his um, helpers uh, wrote in the booklet because I think this this deserves some scrutiny. So this is what they say about Deep Forest. Neither an artist nor a band. Think about that for a moment. Deep Forest is based on the musical ideas of French keyboardist stroke programmers Eric Mouquet and Michael Sanchez. That doesn't sound very French, does it? But apparently they were. Yeah, neither an artist nor a band. So what, just a just a floating entity somewhere in in the uh, the musical space, presumably. Yes, a notion. A notion. A notion about the ocean in the deep forest. Uh, yeah, I'm... it is. Yeah, yes, yes. Or, or these maybe he's hinting that they are in some way. They they just put their ideas into a computer and see what comes out the other end. So it's, it's possibly sort of algorithmic. Possibly, but I I like this. I mean, it was a top ten hit. It, it, 
probably not as well remembered as Enigma. Well, definitely not, I would say. But um, I think it's got something about it. I liked a couple of the follow-ups. Um, there was a track called Deep Forest, which was the follow-up to this, which is also nice. And then uh, a couple of yeah, a couple of albums down the line, they had another minor hit with one called Martyr's Song, and I thought that was rather beautiful music as well. Um, worth checking out some of their stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, I it's all right i mean it's in the middle of the album it's kind of a little chill out zone in the middle of the album especially when you consider the next track as well i guess and um i think it's nice to have it here yes absolutely and like you say who's who's gonna go oh yeah yeah that and be in a position to play it you're gonna have to find it here uh, and pretty much nowhere else um Björk, Violently Happy, is track 12. I absolutely love this, and I think this is probably, again, an artist who refused to conform to the normalities of what was expected and produced some absolutely bizarre stuff. But this is probably, I think, the most standard dance track that she ever did. Um, yeah, I suppose it's quite dancey. It's still fairly laid back, having said that, isn't it? I mean, I... I kind of never got on with this. Of all the singles off the first album, this was on debut, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure it, it yeah, was, yeah. yeah. Um, this was the one I least enjoyed for some reason. I don't know why. I just kind of never got enthused by it, really. I don't dislike it, but it doesn't do anything for me particularly. I got into a little bit of trouble, slightly, with the entertainment's officer on a cruise ship once. Uh, we were going <laughs> okay. around the... <laughs> not in a, that way this, i can't think where this is going to lead but carry on uh, anyway we, we were we were going on a cruise around the north atlantic uh, and we'd been to greenland and um, ah. what this got but we'd also been around kind of norway and islands and all around there uh, and the entertainment officer fancied himself as a little bit of a muso and a bit of a music guru hmm. Uh, and I got chatting to him at one point about his sail away songs. Because every time you sailed away from the port, he would always put on some music from the country of which you were leaving, which oh, okay. was fine if you were leaving Southampton because he could play pretty much whatever he wanted, or Dublin, yeah. or Cork. Then you know he's got yeah, right. So we're we're leaving Reykjavik. Yeah. And I'm like, right, okay. There is literally only one choice you have of artists. <laughs> what are you doing? And he said, and I quote. We're playing ABBA. Uh, and no, I that's, said, no, that's wrong. I said, no, no. And I said, you'd, 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 and he said, yeah. And to fair, fair play to him, he said, I know I should be playing Björk, but look at my audience. They won't, <laughs> they won't go for it. <laughs> know your audience, listener. <laughs> and, I, and I said, fair enough. But then I started thinking. I said, you could play it so so quiet. And and he he said. I'm playing ABBA. <laughs> go away. Go go away and enjoy your cocktail. <laughs> so I did. Uh, but yes, yeah, uh, Iceland's fine. I, I love Bjork to bits and would happily have her playing lots of things to me all day, every day, um, okay. which I know is, is, is a niche for me. But th this one, as I say, I, I really love this one. Well, I might if it wasn't so awkward, have Sharon Nelson playing things to me all day. But, um, well, she went a bit weird, didn't she? But before that all happened, she did this, which is uh, track 13. This is Uptight.
You're listening to Oblong Desk, where we're reviewing Now 27, and we're up to disc 2, track 13, which uh, Shara Nelson uptight is that. We just played you a bit of it. Uh, it's really classy, uh, and just goes to show, and M people should take note, it is possible to do a kind of well-produced R&B song, but still have a soulful vocal. I really like this one. Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Sharon Nelson, as I said previously, um, regardless of the fact that she did go a little bit stalkery and weird. I I hope she's got over that now. Um, It'd be nice to have her back, assuming that uh, her vocals are still as strong as ever, because I thought she was fantastic. She was great with Massive Attack. Her first solo album, which this comes from, uh, called What Silence knows is a bit of a lost gem i think uh there were quite a few hits off that um four i think in all that made the top 40 and one that just missed um so you know it's it's not without its hit singles down that road is quite well remembered i think that was the first single off it didn't get on the now album weirdly but uh, but this did and i'm glad it did because i think it's aged rather well i overlooked this one at the time because i preferred down that road and one goodbye in 10 which was another of the singles um this one was co-written by prince b out of pm dawn um, which is perhaps why it's got that certain sound to it it's got a bit of a a kind of jaunty sound to the backing i think he may have had something to do with the production as well um so yeah i i really like it yeah it's got some really nice sort of bluesy and soulful moments particularly in the chorus uh, yeah I, i'm very much a fan of this one i think this is probably my favorite of those track 14 is gabrielle because of you this is doubly disappointing for me first of all it's not a patch on dreams did you see what i did there yes well well done yes well done thanks thanks uh, and also it's not the theme from brushstrokes no it isn't it isn't and uh and if know, it was it'd be a million times better than this it, it would yeah I, I don't think jacko would approve of this really i certainly don't it's uh, it's extremely bland wasn't the biggest of hits either but uh you know gabrielle was already a regular on nows at this point so it was always going to make an appearance i'm afraid Carleen Anderson, the aforementioned only appearance of Carleen Anderson with Nervous Breakdown, is track 15, slightly above average and nothing offensive, a a little slice uh, of sort of R&B dance again. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, what I do like about this is um, it's called Nervous Breakdown, and then when you get to the breakdown in the song, it all goes a bit wild. So you can kind of see what they were trying to do there. They were trying to make the song... Uh, you know, like the title and have a fairly laid back verse and then it all goes a bit crazy in the chorus Um, it's not quite as exciting as it should be though and it has to be said the verses are pretty dull Um, only a number 27 hit not the uh, biggest on here the hits get slightly smaller at this point um, in general and um, it's fair enough though I think that it's on here because you know she has got a good voice it it could have been a bit better maybe i think it's maybe a little bit too sparsely produced but it's all right yeah we're, we're in a run now of um strong female vocals with possibly not great songs and track 16 is the very definition oh yes. the artist the artist who defined dance fodder juliet roberts <laughs> is back with i want you uh honestly just yeah i, I will her to do something interesting with every song that she does and every song that she has done ends up on the disc two three twilight quarters of the zone, way yes. through <laughs> twilight zone of a now album and you're just thinking well there is actually no need for this to be here we're saying that there are tracks here 
which are by artists who never appear anywhere else, and there are tracks that are really unique and interesting. Uh, and every single Juliet Roberts song sounds the same. Yeah, I mean, there is one that's better than the others, and uh, it, it will make a comeback very soon, but uh, this this isn't it. Um, this is another pre-release track, so somewhere along the line, uh, whispered in Ashley's ear, big club banger this one uh well it's not i mean i can't remember much about it now and i I listened to it not that long ago um it was a double a side with a song called again which meant that when you read it in the chart listings it says i want you again which i think is a (laughs) statement that neither neither of us particularly agree with at this point so uh so maybe we should move on to track 17 which is actually the song that maybe that cruise boat captain should have played every single time you left a country it's sail away by urban cookie collective well done um yeah it, this is okay but the, the there's that like kind of repetitive yappy dog sample you yes, know the I really know high pitch yes, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 that that's going on like every other beat and it's too much stop it no it annoys the hell out of me uh also it annoys me that they are kind of hoist by their massive key the secret being so massive nothing else will ever be quite as good as that and so every time they release something and it's not quite as good or quite as interesting you can't just go oh that's a shame yeah like, that's what i feel about this no i don't I, yeah. I, it's, I, it's, it's not awful no no it's not i mean i agree it's very much in the mold of uh, the other two singles and that's pretty much all you can say about it it's it's pretty similar if you like the other two you probably won't hate this but it's not doing anything stunning either now we could have pressed stop really after shara nelson uh, and taken the disc out throwing away but we, we manfully soldiered on uh, track 18 is degrees of motion and shine on uh, i mean if you swapped this and the juliet roberts track you like peeled the labels off and stuck them on the other ones you'd struggle in a blind taste test it's again more foddery dance yeah, the only difference being this was a massive hit. Well, say massive top ten hit. Uh, another pre-release track, actually. There's an awful lot of them on the end here. It's almost like Ashley was waiting on some uh, rights issues to be cleared and then thought, oh, I'm not going to get these tracks. I need to find some more quick. Let's <laughs> what's coming out next week. Um, it, yeah, it's not great. Um, it had got to number 43 two years earlier, uh, and... I would argue that probably wasn't a bad reflection on the song. Their other song was Do You Want It Right Now, which is better, um, but wasn't as big a hit. Um, This one, I'm not so keen on. I'm with you on that. Right then, last track. Joe Roberts and Lover, which is like, who? Doing what? I mean, (laughs) if ever there was an argument for reducing the recording capacity of a CD, then this is it. It's Blandamondo. Yeah, I... I had a feeling it it was better than it actually turned out. I listened to it and thought, "Mm, yeah. Either I was thinking of one of his other songs, or I suspect what happened is MTV, back to them again, because they were playing this, I'm pretty sure, were playing a dancier version of it that wasn't the single mix. One thing's for sure, the single mix is very, very bland. Um, A number 22 hit, so another kind of minor one on this album. Um, He had three top 40 hits, though, more than you'd think, and one of them was with uh, Melanie Williams, formerly of sub sub and they were an item at the time i believe ah right sometimes the back end of disc two can have some real gems yeah on it on previous now this one i think is the most disappointing it, so it may well be um the next one along that we're going to do with the next regular now album at least there'll be other oblong desks and occasional tables coming along in between i dare say um i don't think 
uh, we'll be left with nothing to talk about at the end of disc two. Let's just say that. We'll uh, we'll leave that there, shall we, for now? Don't want to spoil it. Yes, yes. Instead of which, let's see if you've got some gems that we could pep it up with. Yeah. It's time for look what you could have won. What have you got for me to replace the dross? Yeah, I think most of these you'd probably argue would be better than a lot of the stuff at the end of disc two. I've got eight for you this time, but two are by the same artist. So uh, that livens it up a bit. Um, So more or less in release order then. Uh, Hadaway, I miss you. Now, um, what is love? Did that appear on Now 26? I can't actually remember now. I think it did, didn't it? But uh, a long time after it had been a hit. Yes, that's right. That's right. I Miss You was the one that came out around about Christmas time. A number nine hit. So, you know, you might have thought that might have sneaked on in the in the ballad section, possibly on disc one. I don't remember it, to be honest. Oh, um, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, in that regard, I, I'll trust that Hadaway did a good effort because, you know... It was all right. His other stuff was, yeah, it was, was, all right. was perfectly passable, if not better, better than that. Yeah, but uh, I, no, that passed me by. I don't know what I was doing at the time. Two in Spiral Carpets tracks made their way into the charts in the uh, period that this album covers. Saturn 5 got to number 20. I Want You, featuring Marky Smith, got to number 18. I think both are perfectly fine songs. I think it would have been great fun to have I Want You on the back end of disc one in amongst all the rock stuff. That would have been brilliant, I think. Oh, my goodness. Let's swap it out for Meatloaf right away. Um, (laughs) I Want You, as you say, anything with Marky Smith on it is genius. Um, I Want You is so loud and fast and, and, and thrashy, but you can hear every word on there. Uh, and Saturn Five as well, a fantastic song, really swirly and 60s y, and, uh, and yeah, it just sounds great. Uh, I'd have either of those on there in a heartbeat. Yeah, fair enough. I think I'd agree with that. Um, next one, it's all right, this. I don't think it's their finest thing, but um, it's strange how they got picked up for some now albums, not others. Depeche Mode, In Your Room, a song that got to number eight so that was a contender i would have thought yeah this is um it's not as good as the previous ones uh, and didn't i opt for some depeche mode previous album on this very yes. feature walking in my so, shoes maybe yeah yeah so i think i'm gonna have to you know just for a bit of variety ignore this because it's not it's not my favorite one of the of this album that they no did. fair enough i i quite like it actually i think it's all right as as that album goes um next one then uh, not a massive hit only number 23 but that didn't stop <laughs> lots of tracks that got similar positions making it onto the album so you know why not thomas dolby and the remix of hyperactive he was a virgin emi artist so could easily have made its way on here but uh, didn't yeah this was getting quite a little bit of airplay yeah, at urn as yeah. well and i was never really sold on it i don't know what it is about it maybe its quirkiness doesn't appeal to my quirkiness do you know mm. what i mean sometimes it's like people try and be a bit different and you just go no not for me thanks uh, and whilst i recognize that it has merit in terms of it being an unusual artist and a little bit different it's not personally my favorite no fair enough i bought it on uh, single actually because not only did it have hyperactive on it had some of thomas dolby's other hits on as well or, or non-hits possibly but uh, yeah it was a good little uh, good little purchase on cd single that one i thought uh, next one um considering how they were regulars not so long ago this is a bit of a surprise i think i think it's probably a shoe-in for the surprised it's not here even if it's not your favorite uh, crowded house locked out a number 12 hit not sure why that didn't make it onto the track list, really. Yeah, that is a surprise. Um, 
one of my favourite Crowded House tracks as well. I think it's yeah because it's got a lot of energy. Uh, when they do fast stuff, it is a, a little bit of a uh, a breath of fresh air, I think. And so yes, very surprising because as you say, they they put literally everything else the Crowded House did on a now album. So yeah, before I leave the best one out, Madness. Yeah, it is a bit crazy, isn't it? Um, the next one did appear on the Hits 94 Volume 1 album, as did Hadaway, actually, um, which we will discuss in due course. So that may be why Now couldn't license it, because they had one of this band's tracks on an earlier edition, Swayed and Stay Together, big hit, number three. In fact, I think that's either their biggest or their joint biggest hit they ever had. Yeah, and it's, for me, not the best thing you know as you as you know i'm a massive massive fan of uh of bernard butler's guitaraging but this one to me doesn't quite hit the mark no i'm I don't, I don't know why no i'm with you on that um it's funny how sometimes a band's biggest hits are not necessarily the best and i'd say suede probably falling to that category i think the other big hit they had down the years was trash and that wasn't exactly um top drawer either i wouldn't say um last one for consideration then and this would definitely have livened up this too no question how about don't go breaking my heart by elton john and rupaul a song that got to number seven rupaul of course no virtually thanks. unknown no <laughs> i knew you'd no say thanks. that i knew you'd say that but but elton john was a fairly regular now artist so i guess you could put it in the surprised it's not here pile at least even if you didn't want it I, do you know what? I, I'm not even a massive fan of the original "Don't Go Breaking My Heart," which I know is sacrilegious. Oh, to I say. love it! Yeah. Um, so, so there's there's literally no need for this, and I, I don't get RuPaul either. Sorry, fair I don't enough. Get the joke. Fair enough. Um, so that's so, it. So the, I don't know how many reasons there are not to put this on there <laughs> from that point of view. So that's your that's your selection, anyway. So. I very quickly dismissed quite a lot of. Yes, them. I know. Um, Crowded House, as you say, the shoe in for why? Yes, that should that should be on there, no question. And it's between one of the Inspiral Carpets tracks with my Ashley Abraham hat on. You'd have to say that Saturn Five is the more now album okay. track of of those two. So that's the one I'm going to go for, just because I've I've got a sensible compilation head on. Okay, I think yeah, I no, that, that's that's extreme. fair enough. Yeah, well, I I am going to pick Crowded House as as my favourite. That that I think out of all those, as well as being the one I'm surprised it's not there. I think it probably is my favourite track of all those I've mentioned. Although I do like both in Spiral Carpet songs. I think I Want You would probably just scare everybody to death in a way that hadn't been seen since Faith No More somehow made it on Now Seventeen with From Out of Nowhere and probably scared all the kiddies away from the room. Um, so uh, yeah. I think that's a fair choice. I think uh, we've we've done well there. Well, well done us. One more thing remains then, and that is to pick our absolute favourite track off of here. And this <sighs> tough. is for me a, a I think amongst the most tough because there are at least three that all have merit for me to get picked as my favourite, but for such different reasons. I would say that my favourite track on here, just, just purely as a song, is probably Cornflake Girl, Tori Amos. Um, however, I find it really hard to overlook Credit to the Nation because of what they stood for and how much I enjoyed their other track as well. Uh, so that's kind of a that's kind of a joint 
entry that they put in there. And then for just sheer massiveness and novelty, Dupe as well, um, I, I think was was enormous. Uh, and and then you've got Real to Real as well, which has stood the test of time. I'm going to go back just on pure musical quality, uh, and I'm going to pick Tori Amos's Cornflake Girl at the end of all of that deliberation. Fair enough. It's um, it's uh, I don't think I've got as many to choose from for candidates really um partly because i don't think it's the strongest now album in the world um as mentioned previously i wasn't having the most fun of times at this point i was uh, sat at home being bored and yearning to get back to nottingham which i did in the end um so i think because i did staunchly defend it so much and because it's probably the only time it's going to get picked by either of us um i think i'm going to go for move on baby by capella because you know if i don't it's never going to happen again is it It, i think it's possibly their finest track and uh it's certainly the best that was on the now albums so that is what i'm going to go for well if you didn't award bortolotti something it would have been a it would be disrespectful in some ways to his memory and the, the amount of joy that he's given you over the years. Well, if if Jim Franco wants to uh, contact us and say thanks for our generous award, or or indeed any other Italian house producers, or or anybody uh, who wants to get in touch, how would they do that? Well, uh, the usual lines of communication are well and truly open, twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, we don't answer them that often because you know there's sleep to be done. We're not we're not some kind of like Indian call centre, and we wouldn't outsource. The no. Oblong Desk, anyway. But but yes, uh, at the Oblong Desk on Twitter and indeed on Facebook as well. Uh, or you can pop along to our website, which is oblongdesk.podbean.com, where you can download every single desk that there's ever been and also find out heaps of information, including past winners of Warner Awards, past winners of uh, the best song that we like, and you can then disagree with us agree with us do whatever you like get in touch with your stories about the songs if they've also inspired you it's all the same place oblongdesk.podbean.com or at the oblong desk on social media brilliant so we will be back soon um with another desk possibly another occasional table what will it be you'll find out soon but until then we will say goodbye yep see ya Long Desk is the brainchild of Noakes and John Tyndall with original music by John. Download all episodes of the podcast at oblongdesk.podbean.com where you can also like and subscribe so you never miss another one. Oblong Desk.